Yo-ho. Yo-ho. Go. This could be it, Joe. What is? Revolution in America. Whatever. 1776 has commenced yeah, again. Heard that before. Yeah, but not like this. Yeah. This time it involves Stormy Daniels. Oh, then. And Trump's arrest. Yeah. Wait, he was he arrested? No. He wasn't arrested last August, but he was raided by the feds. But he's putting out <clears throat> feelers <clears throat> that he, he expects to be arrested next week, Tuesday, exactly. Um, over his indictment for a criminal for nothing. Envoy, <laughs> nothing, a criminal investigation to hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Yeah, right. He paid money. There's checks. They have checks signed, paid to his lawyer. Yeah, that's their evidence. Yeah. And the lawyer paid Stormy Daniels. And that's it. And that's that's not news. That's been uh, yeah. That's been gone for years. But um, for some reason, he's... To bring it back up and, and arrest well, him for he, it. Yeah. They, they, have on, they have a number of ongoing criminal proceedings against Trump, but... All, all, all with no basis, basically. But he's taken this opportunity to... Um, to tweet this on Truth Social. We can't see it. Are you on Truth Social yet? No, no, you have to be in America. Still, yeah. Uh, it's a long one. I think I think it's over two truths. What do they call them there? Tweets? I don't know. Uh, good Lord. My messenger system is all screwed up here. Uh, hmm? I, I currently can't send stuff to Scott to show up on the screen. Oh no, maybe I can. Okay, here we go. So these are two tweets. No one would have heard of them because it's not truth social, right? Except for the fact that the media has gone and widely reported it. Well, it began with Fox News. Breaking news. Fox did a big splash on it. You know, mm -hmm. President Trump says he'll be arrested Tuesday, which is the only reason any attention, anyone paid any attention to what he said. So I think the first one is the, is the black one. The black background, and then the other one is part two. Yes, uh, it's all caps. Of course, it is. It's Trump. It's time. We are a nation of steep decline. True, being led into World War Three, sort of true, by a crooked politician who doesn't even know he's alive. Arguably true, but who is surrounded by evil and sinister people. True who, based on their actions on defunding the police, uh, questionable, destroying our military, I guess, open borders, yes, no voter ID, yes, inflation, yes, raising taxes, yes, and much more, can only hate our now-failing USA. We just can't allow this anymore. They're killing our nation as we sit back and watch. We must save America. Protest, protest, protest. Okay, that's one of two. Page two. Now illegal leaks from a corrupt and highly political Manhattan district attorney's office, which has allowed new records to be set in violent crime and whose leader is funded by George Soros. I don't know about that. Indicate that with no crime being able to be proven and based on an old and fully debunked by numerous other prosecutors, fairy tale, the far and away leading Republican candidate, I guess that's himself, and former President of the United States of America will be arrested on Tuesday of next week 
protest take our nation back? I guess what stands out here is that he's he's calling for protests to, for people to defend him mm-hmm. against potentially being uh, what well, obviously it's with a view to 2024 to him not being in the race, um, but also because well he's he's hitching it on the current state of things. I suppose he's calling on people to protest mm-hmm. the direction things are going in, right? Mm-hmm, in general, yeah. Okay. Um, well. Don't know. Do you have anything to say on that other than nothing will happen Tuesday and we'll just carry on? Well, or isn't may, it weird that this comes a week after January 6th is kind of busted wide open by Tucker Carlson? Uh, was he waiting for that? Maybe. it's uh, Timing is interesting, but um, yeah, I mean, they've been trying to, you know, touting criminal charges against Trump for, for quite a long time now, and then they bring it up right now. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to say it was, the timing was calculated but if if anything happens he may or may not it's obviously a it's one of those questions um that is a political question it's not a legal matter it's political more, more than anything for the prosecutor in this case the the, the guy who's uh the attorney who's, who's trying to dig up dirt on him and trying to decide whether or not he's actually got a case and that would actually that would actually stand up in court and he would actually win um i have to think about the national security implications uh, of course, he'll be he'll have been briefed by the national security state on on those considerations and whether or not uh, this would lead to 1776 rising again and um, and there being outright civil war, which everybody's hoping for. But you know, people hope for a lot of things um, or expect a lot of things. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk and anxiety and stuff around all sorts of major events happening, and then they don't happen that way. Uh, generally speaking, um, at least the way people expect. So there's basically, I mean, it's a joke. I mean, again, like almost everything we have to comment on on this show every week, uh, it's a joke uh, in terms of the official narrative about it. Like the official stories that we're actually commenting on are all farce, farcical. They're, they're, they're jokes, basically, uh, in that sense. And we have to take them seriously and we have to say, okay, so it seems that this particular reporter or this particular news item or the person who put together this particular news item was is under a misconception or a misunderstanding. They simply don't understand. I, I don't understand how they could have got to the point where they put together such a farcical, you know, twisted, biased, misleading title and article because that's not actually what's going on at all. So you look at all the headlines and all the headlines that we talk, that we that we comment on are all twisted, manipulated, upside down, back to front very often. In this case... Yeah, Trump, they've been wanting to impeach, impeach Trump, or not impeach him, but they wanted wanted to put uh, various, various take criminal right. charges, make him put him in prison, basically, if possible, because uh, the deep state doesn't like him. And we've talked about this many times in the past: why Trump was targeted the way he was targeted, despite all of his personal feelings, uh, he had by far and away the best interests or the the, inter- the interests of America and the American people at heart. Unlike the people in Washington D.C. who run the country effectively, the the War Party, the 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 Washington establishment, and that's why they they went went for him, and uh, and that's why you saw what you saw happen during his uh, administration, him being repeatedly hamstrung and attacked over and over again on trumped up, no pun intended, charges, and this is just continuation of it. They're trying to bury him after the fact so that he doesn't yeah. to, ha- to stop him running again in 2024, and the same thing happening again. Uh, there basically is no 
no basis to any of the allegations. I mean, the allegations, the things that he would be, uh, it's Stormy Daniels, right? Which is what? Uh, it's, a, it's a private matter. If he wants to pay someone money for their services, <laughs> then he's entitled to do so. You know what I mean? Just because he's the president doesn't necessarily mean that you can take any... And anyway, I mean, that case is a, is a non-starter. They're not going to. He paid his... They're, they're, all they have are checks written, signed by Donald Trump to his lawyer for legal fees. Yeah. And then after that... I forget his, his name. But he, Cohen. After Cohen. that, his lawyer paid uh, Stormy Daniels money for some private... Hush money. Some private deal, whatever you want to call right. it. I call it hush money, whatever. Right. It was some private deal. It was some negotiated negotiated settlement between them. I mean, if you dug up the kind of stuff, if you did the kind of research on Trump or you had the, the put the kind of resources they put into trying to find dirt on Trump into Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or any number of other, other Washington establishment types, you would you wouldn't be de- you'd be dealing you'd be dealing with high crimes and you know you'd be dealing with treason. Um, and so trail. yes, they've got so you've got Stormy Daniels, you've got. Whether or not he mishandled those documents that he took home, which every yeah. other president in the U.S. In, in, in modern, you know, presidential history has done, taken home private personal uh, or, or documents to their home and kept them. Joe Biden was exposed. Joe Biden was exposed as having done exactly the same thing. So why isn't why aren't they taking a, a case against Joe Biden? Mm. Uh, and then the last one was um, January sixth. This is a write-up, you know, if, if you look at any write-up on what they're actually would be accusing Trump of or what, what he might be go to jail for or what they'd prosecute him for, um, that's all they got. They've got, well, the Stormy Daniels thing and did he do any of those documents that Joe Biden did the same thing with? I don't know. Uh, that's why Mar-a-Lago got raided, but that was obviously a political move as well. And then the last thing is January 6th. Was he, did he, is there something we can get him on for January 6th? I mean, like his tweets at the time said, Remain peaceful and respect the police. And but is there any way we can kind of twist that into putting him in jail? I mean, it's this it's this general everybody knows thing that when you, people have this idea about Trump that he must be guilty of serious criminality, and the only reason people have that idea is because the media has said it without any foundation whatsoever over and over again over the past six years. And that's the only reason people have that opinion. You try and tell anybody that there's nothing to this, and they'll go. No, you're crazy. I know for a fact that Trump are, is, a, is, is he's, I mean, he's super guilty of serious, serious crimes. Ask them to enumerate them, they can't. So again, it's kind of a joke, like it's a bit of a farce that we actually have to talk in this. And not only, so you're talking about it being farcical at the level of the average person in the street who just absorb bullshit media uh, missives. And, but it's also farcical from the point of view of the actual mainstream media articles, when you actually look at the headline and look at the details and what they're actually saying, they don't have any case themselves either in this case. Yeah. Um, So, but that doesn't mean it won't be, I mean, I think they'll, they won't put him in handcuffs, but they might, there might be a situation where he's, you know, uh, the FBI or whoever, law enforcement goes to his residence or wherever wherever he happens to be at the time and uh, lead him out, book him, take his picture, Take his, take a mugshot, take his fingerprints, uh, stick him into a court. Have the judge say, "Okay, you know you're implicated in this. Uh, come back in a month for, you know, and then let him go. Something along those lines. Um, that may happen, but even if that happens, I think there'll be people won't be happy. 
It'll, it'll turn people. I'm not saying there's going to be, you know, 1776. I don't think we'll rise again <laughs> next Tuesday. But um, I think that it will, the only thing it'll do will serve to increase support for him, basically. So if, maybe that's what they want. I don't know. Um, today, uh, it's announced that Trump is back on YouTube and Facebook or back allowed. He was back on Twitter a couple of months ago, but he hasn't showed up there. But it's interesting that he, he can have accounts again mm-hmm. on mainstream, so to speak, social media accounts. Um, yeah. After all that. He's, um, he's obviously in a mood because he's got a, he's no holes barred at the moment. This is, he said something this week. I think, I don't know why RT has picked this up, but, uh, It's awesome. I mean, headline, U.S. is the greatest threat to Western civilization, says Donald Trump. Yeah. Um, on his social media account. So presumably he was saying this on Truth Social and RT has picked up. RT would, of course, pick it up. <laughs> They'd be in agreement. Um, he quotes, quotes some of him, some of the horrible USA hating people that represent us that's more specific, are the greatest threat to Western civilization today. These globalists want to squander all of America's strength, blood, and treasure, chasing monsters and phantoms overseas while keeping us distracted from the havoc they're creating right here at home. Mm. Isn't it funny how the only person who... Oh, excuse me, that comes from, yes, truth social, but it's also from a full-on four-minute-long campaign ad. We won't play the whole thing, but... But isn't it funny how the person, someone who is stating... Who makes a statement like that that is closer than any other official statement by any other you know authority in 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 America in this case it's closer far closer to the truth of the situation than uh, any other person in a similar position has ever said in fact, none of the others are saying really the same thing. you'll never hear that kind of what Trump just said uh from any other uh, authority figure in the US or even in, in Western Western countries about America. But it's if you look at it, it maps to reality. It's what's actually happening. It's a very truthful statement. And yet the person who's making it, the only person who's making it, is the person who the establishment authorities have spent the past six years trying to turn into a complete liar, criminal, someone you should not believe at all. It's weird, no? Yeah, yeah. Coincidental. It's, it's the the prophet who rises in his own home. Yeah, being um, turned into pariah. Of course, they uh, completely trounced that to the extent that they did respond to. It. There was some response because, like I said, it was a campaign ad that you know went up on social media. And like I said, he, he's going to be on Facebook. They've opened him back up to Facebook and YouTube. So, if the theory is correct that he won twenty sixteen because of his access on social media, not because of Russia's access, because of his own, then um, they might get a lot of people, you know, and support, uh, more than just the people who would have voted for him anyway. For example, Jimmy Dore, I you know he's a lefty guy, right, in the United States. He's he, In response to this, he's like, if they do arrest him and make a, make a, make a show of it mm. in handcuffs, something degrading, mm. right, mm-hmm. he'll win – Hands down. He'll win hands down in a landslide election 2024. Musk agreed with them. They both said that. Um, if you do that, that's what will happen. That's, which is why which I think 
the, that's the reason I think that, that they won't, you know, they won't make a show of it because they're not that far gone that they don't realize that, you know, what side their, their bread's buttered on type thing. They're not going to gift, they're not going to create problems for themselves, you know. I don't think so. They're gonna, they'll try to avoid it anyway. Yeah. Um, we can come back to the U.S. in this, but this is kind of a related topic, but all the way over across the world. Um, and here it's no joke. There were real world consequences to what took place in Pakistan, where Imran Khan, Pakistan's quote unquote Trump, mm-hmm. um, the Good junta's guy. already democratically oosted him, mm-hmm. a la Trump, tried to, last year, tried to assassinate him, failed. Now they're trying to have him arrested. They've, since this article was published here, um, headline Pakistan's coup regime tries to arrest Imran Khan but faces massive popular resistance. Since then, they've backed down. Mm-hmm. And the massive popular resistance was millions of people on the streets, uh, many thousands gathering around just his where wherever he was at the time, one of his residents, I guess, to stop them coming mm-hmm. to arrest him. I think I don't think Trump watched that and went, "That's what we need to do." But that is kind of what he's getting at. If they're really serious about coming for me, that's the kind of support I would need on the streets. Mm. Um, so far, that's worked. The arrest. The warrant for Khan has been dropped, and he lives to fight another day in opposition. Mm-hmm. But um, you know the stakes are real. Uh, depending on how far the unofficial, actual behind-the-scenes deep state government goes to remove any opposition to 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 them to itself. So yeah, um, same week, and of course, similarly related, but I suppose not really. I don't know if you want to stay in the US or jump but I mean this thing where the uh, ICC International Criminal Court mm. issues an arrest warrant for Vladimir Putin yeah. well, it's another farce. similar-ish farcical but you see the intent of it's just propaganda to try and I mean the average person reads it and they think International Criminal Court that must be some like impartial high level unbiased you know uh um, body of judges b- body of, of judges who are impe- unimpeachable impeccable in their judgment um no it's it's uh it's, it's a joke that the u.s itself so i mean the u.s itself john bolton has more or less said that they would i think they said something like that because it's based in um based in um, the netherlands and in the hague and he's was it him that said it or someone in the u.s government and john bolton has been outspoken about it saying it's, it's, it's a piece it's a piece of crap we're not going to recognize it at all because the threat was that it would you it would go after americans because uh, there's plenty of Americans, including American politicians, who would fall under the same, uh, you know, um, the same purview of, of this international criminal court for for war crimes and criminality, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And American soldiers, right? Uh, so I think they said at one point that they would, uh, if if any American was arrested by the ICC or attempted to, to take them to trial, that they would invade. Yeah, and bust them <coughs> out of the Hague. Yeah. The, the America was going. So the, the ICC has so much. Um, has so much credibility with the the greatest freedom loving and democratic country in the world, America, that they would invade the country where it's situated if it ever dared to try and prosecute any American citizen. Yeah, so again, optics, you know, it's meant to be oh Putin was, you know, indicted and what's he indicted for as well? They can't even come up with anything other than the ICC has indicted <laughs> Putin for war crimes, specifically for quote, abducting Ukrainian children yeah. from occupied territory. Him personally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, along with the, a woman, I'm not sure her position in Russia, but she she lit, she led the campaign to <clears throat> to organize safe houses for. Um, 
the figures I've heard, anything up to hundreds of thousands of children, I think. But that's it's it's tens of thousands from Donbass, right? And it it does massively increase when you go to the other two oblasts of Kherson Zaporizhia. and Zaporizhia. I mean, the Kherson one is bonkers. I mean, that was that was a military ordered full withdrawal of all civilians because there was a risk at the time that right. the Americans to the Ukrainians were going to blow up the reservoir and flood the, the place. Dam, yeah. um, anyway, it's obviously it's completely uh, desperate. It's just for propaganda Optics. sake, but there are implications here. <clears throat> They're announcing the West in general, the collective West is announcing to Putin. There's no way back for you. And we're, you and I, we're, you will have to be dead. There's no peace. There's no solution. If we put an arrest warrant on, we're treating you like Milosevic. Mm-hmm. Like it's all in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of does signify the the end of all possible. That the only end to this can be military. That it has to be settled by war. Um, yeah. Well, although again, it's it's maybe maybe, uh, maybe next week they could change that. Right. Mind. A lot of it's propaganda. Well. All this stuff. None of this is personal. You know. As, again, like you know, people tend to think of it in terms of how you know. They project their own, you know, feelings or situation into uh, these things they read about, and they think that it's very personal. They take it very personally, and you see all the comments on on Western mainstream media articles about, you know, I don't know if they're if they're bots or not, but it seems that a lot of people have this, you know, Putler calling him Putler and hit and and and, and uh, Putin's this arch evil nemesis. You know, they've, they've, they've drank drank the Kool Aid a long time ago. Um, they don't, and they're taking it personally. You know, the, the vitriol in, in the comments section on, on Western mainstream media articles is hilarious. You know, from in, from just ordinary citizens, um, but they don't realize that at, at top level of politics, this is all just about propaganda. It's all about convincing those people to hold, to hold those views to get behind the the Western government geopolitical strategy. But that as soon as things change, say the Ukraine situation is resolved. On a dime, they'll flip, and within a few years, they'll be friends with Russia again. And people, and all those people who have been spewing bile on the comments, be like, "But, but, 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 I wasted like hours. I wasted like, but well, not hours, day, weeks of my life, burning up my keyboard, yeah, attacking Putin, yeah, yeah. doing doing my bit on your war. behalf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you told me to. And now what? You rehabilitated him, and you're friends with him. You're shaking hands with him. How could you ever do that? I mean, those people are deluded. Like you know, they're just lost. I have a. Like, I have a very pertinent example of that with the uh, Assads. They went to the UAE this week. Mm. Um, but, but before I show that, um, the ICC's chief prosecutor is this guy here. Um, he's British, although he has a Middle yeah. Eastern name. Maybe he's of Pakistani descent. Karim Ahmad Khan. Um, he's the chief pres- prosecutor. Uh, scroll down. The wrath of Khan. Do a search for Putin. <clears throat> It has the latest update under his achievements or rap sheet, depending on how you look at it. Um, Vladimir Putin. This guy successfully applied for the two arrest warrants alleging Putin and this woman, Maria Lvova Belova, violated two Rome statute rules against systematic deportation, transfer, and hostage taking. Okay, scroll up there now to his. There's a box on the right. There's personal, personal file or personal, yeah, personal details. Click on his brother, Imran Ahmad Khan. Does anyone remember him? This is a British former politician, convicted sex offender. 
who served as a member of parliament in 2019, his criminal conviction for child sex assault in 2022. Hmm. Nice family he's got. He got out last month, and the rumor is that he got out a little early thanks to his brother in the ICC's um, legal intervention. So... <laughs> Do you see why you can't take this is the guy seriously? who's charging Putin with crimes against children? Yeah, and his brother's a pedo. Anyway, um, so, yeah, the, a, a joke. an example of Flanches. how things can turn around. It took a bloody long time, but um, Bashir al-Assad is finally being rehabilitated. He and his wife were received in the UAE two days ago mm-hmm. for a full state visit. I think that's the first time overseas mm-hmm. since 2011. He's had people come to him or met them in neutral ground like in Sochi with Putin. That's the first time he can safely fly out somewhere else in Arabia land and mm-hmm. not fear for his life. Mm-hmm. So and last week, he's though. being renormalized, at least regionally. Mm-hmm. And all those guys who are Assad the Butcher, yeah. I mean, wh- what was it Where for? They? Yeah. they must you feel can... so betrayed. <laughs> So dejected, um, but just ignorance. Um, yeah, talking about um, well, and also when we talked about that last week, I think it was on it. It, it was on last week's show um, about China brokering the deal between Iran and Saudi. Oh yeah, Iran and Saudi are friends now. Well, you know they made the first steps towards toward being friends and um, striking up a new uh, a new agreements about. Uh, I think one of them, the particular one, was that Saudi Arabia is. Which is interesting. Saudi Arabia's territory will not be used for any military uh, military uh, aggression against Iran. Its territory, its airspace, whatever, which is you know significant because that's pretty much where where any uh, any attack on that's what on, was that's how on, Iraq on, was attacked twice, right on Iran, yeah, and Iraq being today being the twentieth anniversary of the Iraq. We'll talk about that in a minute about the U.S. invasion. For their freedom and democratizing of Iraq twenty years ago. Um, just talking about optics here. Check out uh, check out this again. It's just an example of clown shoes media, uh, so called journalists who apparently you know their heads so far up their backsides that they just have no. They've just you know died in the wall uh-huh. propagandists. Uh, this is from today. Russia and China's new alliance is beginning to echo December nineteen forty one, and just change that to anybody I don't agree with is Hitler. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much what they're saying, G- right? Gideon's law. <laughs> so the first paragraph: two authoritarian powers, one in Europe and the other in Asia. Mm. Mm. One in Europe, Germany and, Germany Japan, and Japan, are determined to overturn the global order. Hmm. Both are resentful towards Western democracies. Hmm. And believe the international system is rigged against them. Hmm. I've seen this movie before. With war already raging in Europe, hmm, (laughs) the situation in Asia is increasingly precarious, hmm, the world stands on the brink of a great power conflict. It is December 1941. Literally. And also March 2023, because Putin and G are G. Putler. Anyway, <clears throat> this is the kind of bullshit you have to, well, have to deal with. Isn't it weird? It is December 1941, and Germany and Japan, they're, they're goofing there. It's actually, of course, Russia and China are wrestling with the decision of whether to confront the global hegemons before too, too late. Right. I suppose they're, they're, they don't really see themselves as global hegemons. They're satirizing the other sides to yeah. the continent. Today, the world once again faces the abyss. Well, it does make you wonder <laughs> about that time period. Yeah. Um, you know, 
there is similarity. There is resonance with yeah. history there. Except, but this time they won't have two just crazed regimes going willy nilly after whoever they want and instituting fascism at home. It is different. Mm-hmm. You can't say it's the same. It's different as well. There is a similarity, though, because you wonder now in hindsight if America and Britain, especially America, was that upset mm-hmm. at the rise of Hitler, Mussolini, and the Japanese Imperial Army. Because look what happened after. Mm-hmm. You know? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah you mentioned. Um you mentioned Putin in going to Crimea yesterday and, and Mariupol uh, last night. Well, it shows how many Fs he gave about yeah, the oh, FCC. Yeah. That well, that's, from- look, check out what CNN think, think about it here. Um, again, clown show, clown shows, um, clowns writing news articles, uh, inverting reality, basically defiant Putin visits, defiant Putin visits, occupy, occupied Mariupol, symbol of Ukrainian resistance. <laughs> I mean, it's like, that's not even, uh, yeah. I mean, Mariupol was like, Mariupol fell within, uh, except for the Avastal, uh steel plant where the Azov Battalion, the Nazis and the Ukrainian military held up that, that prolonged it all. Mariupol, the town itself, the city itself, uh, took like, you know, less than, less than two weeks for, because there was, I mean, they didn't, pu- they didn't put up, the Ukrainians weren't able to put up a lot of resistance because, and, and the, certainly the people in Mariupol, uh, are as close to Russians as the people in Crimea are, 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 are you know? Yeah. So, um, but anyway, they spin it as Ukrainian. And of course they say, uh, in this article, they say, they, they twist things like the one part there where it says, Look at um, the image they show. They I know. They yeah. don't show you any of the rebuilt part. Exactly. Of course. They don't show you any of that. They say, um, that photo's from last summer. Yeah. They say, um, Spontaneous, blah, blah. Visitors particularly provocative to Ukrainians as Mariupol was long a symbol of resistance that had witnessed some of the most intense fighting since Russia lost its invasion. No, it didn't. Yeah, the Azov cell. Exactly. You're Nazis. Um, Russian Deputy Prime Minister who accompanied him spoke in detail to Putin about ongoing construction and restoration work. At least they mentioned that. Um, of course, um, the Ukrainians are up in arms about it, but tough shit. But then that leads me into, um, so I mean, you can look look yourself look for your, people who are watching this can look for themselves at the reconstruction efforts. And they're talk, he's talking about after the third year. So within a couple of years, they're gonna um, the airport Mariupol is gonna be like an, open again as an international airport. It's only for military use right now, but there's gonna be a lot. There's already a lot of reconstruction has gone on, and it'll continue on in in Mariupol over the next few years. And then con- contrast that with this on the same page. In the same main page of CNN, they recognize the 20, 20 years anniversary of the U.S.'s illegal invasion of uh, an occupation of Iraq. And they do this uh, kind of photo essay, in a sense. Uh, ordinary people in Iraq were given disposable cameras. This is, this is what they want you to see. And it's just basically saying that back in 2003, some um, uh, American guy studying photography sent a bunch of disposable cameras to Iraq and asked to be distributed amongst people to just take pictures and send them back to him, whatever, collect them again and send them back. Um, so he had a, 
a, a record of what was going on at the time, and he did the same thing this recently, within the past couple of weeks. Uh, and these are the pictures. So if you just scroll down, these are all the pictures from their disposable cameras. So the, the actual, you know, the quality isn't that good. But um, there's one in particular. Well, obviously, you know, there's a lot of pictures of fairly rundown buildings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you scroll um, down to the one with the guy standing on scaffolds. Next one, yeah. Next one. There. This is from just a few, you know, in recent weeks, basically. And the title is, Men Work to Restore a Building Still Riddled with Bullet Holes After Being Damaged in the Second Battle for Fallujah in November 2004. How many years is that? That's almost, that's 19, 19 years, years ago. And there are still bullet holes, American-made bullet holes, some of them anyway, and certainly all of them caused by America in buildings in Fallujah 19 years later. So CNN somehow manages to spin this this story mm-hmm. as a positive for look at how wonderful Iraq is and, and after it was, you know, it had American free and freedom and democracy was bestowed on it supposedly after, you know, 10-year occupation by, uh, military occupation by U.S. forces. And 19 years later, there's still many buildings still burying the scars and bullet holes and ruins still from that 20-year-old onslaught on the people of Iraq. And they spin that as a positive. While in the same page, they have a story about Mariupol, Putin visiting Mariupol, where you can see for yourself pictures of completely refurbished, rebuilt multiple apartment blocks, all brand new, in Mariupol within... Less in less than a year, and that's spawned as a negative. In addition, so, can you imagine the photo there of Bush joining them on the scaffolding, and them all going, "Oh, it's great to see you. Shake his hand. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for all you've done for us." Yeah. Whereas, in contrast, just scroll down a couple more. There's there's one there of a, of a street. I think it's the third one below that, or the next one, or maybe the next one. Or maybe the next one. <laughs> Where the hell is it? Keep going. There, this one. This used to be a busy commercial street for carpenters in the Al Maidan area of Mosul. It became the site of the last ISIS battle in the city, which lasted from October t- 2016 until July 2017. Now, again, ISIS uh, uh, in Iraq and obviously in Syria was directly a result of the US invasion of Iraq in 2003 and then also the US you know, facilitating of uh, waves of jihadi. Um, fighters into Iraq and Syria. From their base in Syria. From their base in Syria into Iraq uh, in starting in about 2011. So that that rubble-strewn street is directly the result of U.S. machinations in the Middle East. Um, And that that, that street, the ruins in that street are at least um, uh, five, six years old. And again, that's meant to be a positive thing. We're meant to look at this and think this is a positive. Here's a positive result of the U.S. democratizing, democratization of the Middle East and in Iraq, um, and yet we're meant to so we're meant to feel good about that, and or, that that's positive. Uh, whereas yeah. Putin in Mariupol is uh, is an evil dictator comes to gloat over the ruins of Mariupol, even though it's it, being rebuilt as we speak. I, it's either a positive that's been or. In a more liberal way, like what they often did, but 
about uh, Vietnam long after the fact. It's it's neutral. So these I'm just presenting photos of the situation as it is. All I am is a photojournalist. I let the people speak. I'll give them cameras. It's, it's their words. I, I'm I'm stepping out of this, and so it ends up being just neutral. Uh, I'm I'm not making an anti-war statement or pro or whatever necessarily. I'm just letting it speak for itself. Mm-hmm. And you know, people go. Many of them will watch. I can go. That that bad. What we did there is bad. I I, I regret that we you know that I supported that back in the day or something. So mm-hmm. there is some s- lament and some <clears throat> self-introspect, blah, 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 blah. But what there isn't is the counter example of a war that takes place and is the, the ruins are immediately rebuilt. Mm-hmm. They, this is why they absolutely hate Putin and they have got to at least corrupt everything he says or taint everything he does because the city's rebuilt already within the same year. Right. If if the world sees that example, we in the West are humped because we don't do that. We never do. And so it really will become a negative yep. example if we show at all any of the ruins that still exist anywhere in Iraq, you know, mm-hmm. uh, up against that counterexample, the, the driving force to rebuild that uh, – um, Here's video footage of Putin meeting people. This was all like ad hoc. They didn't know he was coming. So they're surprised when they meet him. Um, the whole thing was a surprise. He goes first to the SMO command center in Rostov and Dom. Then he flies by helicopter to Mariupol airport. Um, this is some text series. He's meeting people who've moved back into the, the rebuild apartment complexes and Mariupol. Mm-hmm. Walking around. Okay, Again, so we... they don't know he's coming. They're like, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, you, you won't hear we're glad to see you or any of the. You imagine Bush in Fallujah. Yeah. Either that year in 2004 or now. Yeah. Not going to happen. Uh, the, the contrast is, is it's insane. So not only that, he, <clears throat> he went to see the generals, surprised them in Rostov, just over in old Russia or Russia proper, whatever. Then he flies by helicopter. He gets in a car and the video footage of some, someone over the cameras with him in the back seat. Mm-hmm. He drives himself mm-hmm. around Mariupol. Mm-hmm. There's one car in front and one in the back. That's it. <laughs> ah, but it was at nighttime then under cover of darkness. He's either like a sneaky, like a sneaky He's either vampire. brave or they make sure they, you know, I don't know. They control, completely control all the air and the, I suppose the element of surprise helps if if yeah. the Ukrainians have no idea. It's not. It's it's the opposite of, of a Potemkin village situation where you prep everything in advance, mm-hmm. and, but then you signal that he's going to come. You know. Right. But the reason they he tacked this on, there is one formal announcement. They were expecting him to show up in Crimea yesterday. I haven't seen any footage of it yet, but he went to Crimea for the anniversary of. Mm-hmm. The accession of Crimea to Russia, which mm-hmm. was March eighteenth, twenty fourteen. Yep. Um, 
Yes. So, uh, go ahead. Uh, he's back in Russia today because tomorrow Xi Jinping is mm-hmm. coming to Moscow for a full state visit mm-hmm. for three days. Um, just not Xi's, Xi's first visit was to Riyadh post COVID. First mm-hmm. time he left China. Mm-hmm. That was in December. That was a big do, but this well, is his second. This is his, I suppose this broke, that he's was, announcing something by being the first one after his reelection yeah. last week as president of China. Yeah. Well, the first country you go to, that is usually the one you're saying is, you know. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Him going to Riyadh in uh, Saudi Arabia in December was, you saw the out, outplaying of that in, in last the past week. week, basically, where there's a Chinese broker deal between peace agreement, essentially, between uh, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia and Iran. There's something else going on in Moscow this week. There's some kind of like, there's a lot of African dignitaries, MPs, I think, from as many African countries as possible are in Moscow for some interparliamentary convention summit between Russian MPs and African MPs. I suspect that Xi maybe will show up at that or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. because that's like, there's a lot being signaled there. That's, you know, the East and the South. You know, Russia-China partnership, sure, but that's only like one hinge. There's all of Africa with us too kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You've got the two, Saudi Arabia and Iran, of course, mm-hmm. tied in with it as well. Yeah. So uh, well, We haven't mentioned the drone this week. It's not much, uh, really, I mean, it was a big enough deal at the time. It keeps people entertained or whatever, but the American Reaper drone that was... Uh, um, what's the right term? Was watered down rather than shut down, or it, uh, oil, uh, gasoline down? It, it had a golden shower. And Remember, Trump was supposed to have had one. Yes. Well, I'm using their own analogies. If it's gross, well, that's what <laughs> they yeah. they did say that it peed on us. Yeah, but it was a loss for Russia, according to the Americans. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, obviously, the propeller on the drone on the back of the drone was a bit one of them was a bit bent. Uh, are a bit broken and obviously that that had to have come from according to them had to have come from a direct contact between the Russian jet and the and the propeller and therefore you know we're not going to give any details or whatever but we're pretty sure that the American or the Russian plane Russian jet got damaged as a result so this reckless crazy ridiculous maneuver I mean how they the way they spin it you know of course you, what else are they going to do they're going to spin it to their own advantage anyway so um, but it's funny just to watch <laughs> you know, you have one of your drones essentially, essentially taken down that's spying on your enemy and, and your enemy takes it down and then you try and spin that as a positive for you. It's like, good good job. Yeah. I mean, if you can convince people of that, then you're welcome to them, you know, because they're brain-dead people anyway. But The fact that they went so quiet about 48 hours after it happened suggests they were up to something. Now, the rumor was that this thing was actually on a it wasn't just going around the Black Sea mm. as usual. As it it was been, yeah. on its way. It was 60 kilometers out from Provostop. And so it was probably planned to do something there or to bait a reaction, which mm-hmm. it got. Mm-hmm. Um, They're testing the waters. Can we watch it? I love watching this. Go on. Come on. I've watched, I've only watched it a couple of times, actually. So I, it's, I need my fix. This is, um, and the hilarious thing is this isn't footage the Russians put out to big up no. you know, their military. The Americans put this out themselves. This is the drone angle. And <laughs> That's the first part. I suppose there are two is passes. that a fuel dump? 
Or yeah. is that just... No, that's, that's fuel. Contrail. I think. No, I think that's fuel. <clears throat> okay. And uh, it worked because the thing... Well, the Russian statement... Well, there was, was a second second one then where it goes kind of like shuts off at the end, you know? There seems to be a second pass, you know? Okay. Um, but... Um, Gonzalo Lira is obviously pro-Russian, but even on, um, you know, not pro-Russian accounts, the overwhelming number of people are like, that was pretty cool. You know... Americans want their military to do that kind of thing. They don't want to be the one that tries to get a sneaky underhand attack. Mm. Um, well, it's interesting that they didn't. I mean, obviously, that jet could have shot it down, but it said not to. So well, obviously, yeah. obviously that's the, I mean, the way the Americans spun it was that this was just reckless bravado kind of behavior by the Russian, by the pilot of the Russian jet. And he just got too close. He was just messing around, probably wasn't even told to do that. He was doing it without any orders because, you know, the Russian, Russian uh, fighter jet pilots don't have any orders, you know. They're just sent up on a plane and say, go up and have a bit of, bit of fun there. You know, do whatever <laughs> you want, you know. Oh, well, look, there's, there's a drone. And don't even ask if you can approach the drone. Just go and have two guys in the plane and just go, let's, let's have a bit of fun with that drone, you know. And then they end up dumping fuel on it. Totally. No, 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 no instructions, no orders whatsoever. And um, for, for me, the piece <clears throat> de resistance on the whole forest is that the Pentagon spokesman said that what the Rus- the Russian conduct was quote environmentally unsound. Yeah, envir- yeah, dr- dropping fuel, fuel yeah. dump. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're dropping Nord Stream. No, don't forget about that. We didn't do that. That was oh, that was that was that. Ukrainian, uh, uh, kind of uh, a pro-Ukraine group, a pro-Ukraine group of yeah. unknown origin. Yeah, in yeah. a yacht, in a Greek yacht, in a Greek yacht. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the clown shoes, man. It's clown shoes. That's what you know, that's a circus. Um, Have you seen this Orion 23 exercise in France? Yeah, but that's, yeah. More you don't the, think that's, that's, more, that's more the spooky, same, you know? They've got to do something with their military. The French has got to do something, like, you know. But it's not just French. It's eight, 20,000 troops from eight NATO countries. The Americans and Brits are taking part in, like, Cahor. Are they? I'm sure that those aren't only Frenchies in, internally in France. Oh. That, that it's, a, it's, it's more than just... Um, you know, there's there's months there's, long exercise exactly simulating an occupy uh, uh, resistance to an occupation. Yeah, um, maybe there are, but I think most of the international stuff will be in, in the naval drills, naval exercises, and maybe any air force exercises. Uh, internally to France, it's like they've been running around in different, yeah, simulating. Beach invasions, city <laughs> occupations. Yeah. Well, here I have France 24, so that's uh, AFP. Mm-hmm. The landing on the Mediterranean town, so it's it's all over the southwest of France, was just one part of France's biggest war games in decades, involving around 12,000 troops, including those from NATO allies mm-hmm. conducted across the country. Yeah, and you know, it looks good. Parachute drops. It's been going since 2020. This yeah. is the third year, but it has, they massively jumped it up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll justify the military budgets, you know, so you get them next year. Uh, you got to do something. You can't just all keep, keep them all in the barracks, you know, twiddling their thumbs. Got to get them out and do something. Um, yeah. It's not something you want to see, though. You're out and about. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're firing blanks, but they're still firing. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a... Do you have the video there? I've got, yeah, I've got some from Cahor, yeah. Stick it up there, so since you've talked about it. <clears throat> months long. But they're always Did months that, long. Are they? Yeah. Yeah? You don't do it. You can't 
you can get together within a months long week, like, quote simulated urban warfare to liberate an occupied territory. Oh. I presume that's been layered over. That's not yeah, them singing. No, no, they're not singing when they're doing that. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure what they're actually doing there. I mean, that's grouping them all together like that. You better hope your your enemy doesn't have a can't drop a, a few mortars in amongst them. There, that'll be that'll be dead. Um, <laughs> they all land on top of each other in the middle of the street, like. Okay, but you you just know that the they're being told that y'all are the resistance. Mm. You're so going to be resisting the Russians. The, the Russians Chinese. are coming. Yeah, well, whatever. It's uh, militarization. Yeah, it's mil- militarization is, is on everybody's all European governments' mind these days. You know, and it's a good way to launder money. You know, uh, uh, public funds to the. To the military, obviously, and to armaments and weapons manufacturers, etc. Um, let's move on to there's a really good uh, interview, short interview, well, it's part of an interview with um, Robert F. Kennedy. Is it Robert F. Kennedy? Yeah, Junior. Junior. Uh, just play it there. It's only a couple of minutes. He might run for president, you know. He should the number two funder of the WHO after China. It goes China, Bill Gates, then the, like Germany, then the like countries fund the WHO. Bill Gates gives more than China. Okay. Gates, but the U.S. was the biggest funder, and they may now be the biggest funder from a single tranche. But Gates is giving not only from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but he gives through Gavi and I think Seppi and UNICEF and Rotary. And if you add all those up, he's by far the biggest. He's a billion dollars a year. And so now this is his new idea going forward. After this big experiment failed and he admits those vaccines, he says he, he says those vaccines need to be fixed. <laughs> Here's what he's saying now. Make it instead of two years, we should make it more like six months, uh, which certainly, uh, you know, some of the standardized platform approaches, including mRNA, would allow us to do that. So, you know, it, it took us a lot longer this time than than it should have. So now he wants to get a new vaccine the next time something like this happens. He wants to get it out even faster. What What do you would you have a response to that? Well, here's the big, uh, the very scary thing, Jimmy, is that, you know, they've got all of these biolabs now and they're, they're, you know, Gates and others are involved with this project called the Global Virum Project, where they're trying to collect samples of every virus in the world that can be weaponized. And um, Peter Daszak was part of it, the USAID, and to create an ar- archive and an inventory and then they're all working on, you know, in in 150 biolabs in the, around the world, 40 of them in the Ukraine and in China and all over Africa. They're working on Marburg virus, Ebola, Zika, monkeypox, polio, you know, all of these different viruses that they're trying to weaponize. So, you know, and, and now they're giving the, the World Health Organization, this is what Biden is doing power 
to declare a pandemic emergency with no criteria anytime they want. Yeah. And so they can constantly, you know, they could, if they wanted to, they can release these viruses. They don't even need to release them. They just declare emergencies. And once they declare the emergency, then they can force everybody to get these new vaccines that he's talking about for all the new viruses that are rolling out. Hmm. Terrifying, isn't it? It's like global pandemic architecture. Yeah, uh, the, the whole gain, gain of function thing, you know. Um, um, yeah, the U.S. was involved in it. You know, I mean, the U.S. was obviously has been. I mean, that's on the record that the U.S. has been involved in, and other countries have been involved in in gain of function research for for quite a long time. They actually cancelled it. it. Was it was outlawed for for a few years, and then it was brought back. Uh, in, I think 2016, 17 or whatever, it was outlawed a few years before that. It was brought back in 2016 or 17 because, um, you know, I mean, there's never... There's <laughs> well, he has a theory. RFK Jr. says elsewhere in that interview that it was outlawed because of three leaks right. from Fort Detrick. Right. Obama said, no, no, okay, kibosh. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Um, but yeah, I mean, the bottom line is that, that these people, I mean... They're getting away with, it's not being reported in the media, but they're getting away with uh, being being directly accused by anyone in, 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 position, in any position of authority to accuse them of, by their own narrative about uh, COVID and where it came from, that they were directly involved in. Like there's you know, credible evidence that uh, Fauci and the NIH, etc. funded the research in the Wuhan lab from which they now generally admit that um, or generally accepted that this virus leaked. Of course, we don't believe that, uh, but it just opens opens up the whole reality of people in positions of power in Western countries in particular conducting conducting gain-of-function research on viruses in order to make them transmissible to humans. So that they can roll out vaccines. So that they can do whatever they want as a result of that, you know. Yeah. Um, the Wuhan connection came up again this week. You sent me a, an article um, in the New York Post. I'll just check it myself first. I'm not sure it said much, but there was one. I think it was your comment on it. New York Post: U.S. was double billed tens of millions of dollars in right. grants to Wuhan labs. So this is this is solid, and you see why people are anchoring it on Wuhan and China CCP connection. You know, it's the Kung flu virus, right? Because Wuhan screams large in the middle of this whole picture. But it's that, it's all the money that was coming from the United States government mm-hmm. to Wuhan. That's weird. Um, and your comment to me at the time when you sent that was that the Chinese were courted by the US mm-hmm. into engaging in gain of function research on their territory. Mm-hmm. Your suggestion was they probably saw it as a way to keep tabs on the US research, but certain. Americans were plotting a setup mm-hmm. uh, that became the COVID nineteen pandemic. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like everyone's focused on Wuhan because of what they've experienced naturally. But RFK Junior's research is is like he he literally says to Dora, China isn't the top funder, not by a long shot. Mm-hmm. It might look like it on paper, but. Mm-hmm. Gates has so many foundations that right. his contributions dwarf anything from mm-hmm. the CCP or mm-hmm. whoever else in China. Like, and it's it's the global architecture, like I've said, mm-hmm. they've been able to put in place. That's it, 
the elephant in the room. Forget about Wuhan for a minute, yeah. will you? This is, you'll see it in the news. Like Marburg is currently an issue somewhere. There's been an outbreak, you know, and that's all you see until maybe it becomes a, a major international scandal. And, and then, well, depending on what happens with these viruses, mm -hmm. how many of them are already out there? Mm -hmm. Gain of function viruses. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't know. But it's a bit like with the banking issue, you know, they could <clears throat> turn it into a worldwide, um, you know, crisis. Mm -hmm. You know, they say when the US has a financial crisis, everyone else catches a cold. Mm -hmm. Well, at the time of their choosing, when there's a virus that they've tinkered with themselves, everyone catches it. And then, oh, mm -hmm. you know, lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know if they can do it again, though. Yeah, fool me once, kind of thing. Can you fool the people twice well, so soon? Depends if if it's if it's a real virus. You know? How real an effect it has? How much it scares people? Yeah. Um. Well, I know it's obviously it, it's, it goes into the domain of conspiracy theory, and people are being programmed to not believe in anything that has that label conspiracy theory on it. But given that everybody, no one can doubt that gain of gain of research, gain of function research has been going on for a very long time. Um. And in the current climate of America seeing China as its main enemy, why do more people not accept that as a plausible theory that someone in the US, on the back of decades and decades of gain of function, function research, put together, you know, gain of functioned uh, coronavirus and dropped it on China? And in that way served. You know, serve their, their their general agenda, let's say, of you know encouraging a total a a, 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 a pivot towards totalitarianism amongst uh, many otherwise democratic governments, and also smear China forevermore as having released the China virus. I mean, it's it's it, it totally fits with with you know the kind of game plans you might. Imagine these people are putting together, given the context of what we know that know their their, their policies are their anti-China policies um, and their general uh, desire to, you know, exert more and more and finer a finer order of control among um, over the over the population of as many of, of as much of the world as possible. I mean, this guy, it's it's it's, it's summed up this guy again. The Telegraph, Telegraph comes out has has no clue. Obviously, they're. They're anti. They've no understanding of geopolitics in terms of Telegraph rhetoric in terms of um, Ukraine uh, or China. But when it came, when it, like, the, like as we mentioned last week, the Telegraph released these lockdown files, which were WhatsApp messages from Matt, Matt Hancock's phone to all different people during the the lockdown, the COVID COVID era. And this guy is just a comment, but it's you know they're good. The Telegraph is good on on this particular topic, maybe because they're they're particularly conservative and they're all about you know. English values and English people and English rights and all and that kind of stuff. So individual freedoms against right, the state. Exactly. But it's it's pretty good actually. Um title is the evidence is in lockdowns kill people and the more you lock down the more you kill. And he refers to the leaked WhatsApp messages show that we have been governed by petty, frightened men who value appearance over substance. Just the first couple of paragraphs. In its sheer smallness it, it's it's their sheer smallness that is so striking. Their banality Anybody's ever read Arendt, Hannah Arendt's uh, Banality of Evil will maybe 
understand that reference. Uh, their triteness. I had hoped reading the lockdown files to find some explanation for the miseries that were inflicted on us in 2020. Perhaps decisions that looked imbecilic to the rest of us might have ma- might make sense to those in the control room, able to survey information that we could not see. Perhaps there was a grand plan, but not a bit of it. What we see in the leaked messages are, pre- are petty, frightened men at the mercy of events. They obsess over tweets and news reports. They fret about how they are coming across. Again and again, decisions are made for, presidential, for presentational rather than medical reasons. Quarantine could safely be cut by 14 to 5 days. But the problem, says Matt Hancock, is that this would imply we've been getting it wrong. Imply? Care home testing is initially rejected because the bigger issue is meeting the 100,000 tests a day target. What is so important about that target? In medical terms, nothing. In political terms, everything, since some self-important broadcasters have decided that this is the measure by which government success would be gauged. School children are forced to wear masks, not because they do the slightest good, but because the Tories don't want to look weaker than Nicola Sturgeon, who has imposed this dystopian requirement in Scotland. Uh, so, yeah, you are hoping you're hoping in that there'll be something, you know, like a grand plan or a rationale. Yeah. That's, it was just because that is what people assumed at the time. Even if they had doubts, they thought, "Well, I'll comply because you know, who am I? You know, they probably know a lot of stuff up there in the government." And then you pull back the curtain, and you're like, "They don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know anything other than what makes them look good, mm-hmm. what will secure their positions, what will get them reelected." Even then, it falls flat in their face. Where's Bojo now? Where's Hancock now? You know? Yeah. It was all about, they got a taste, as Bolsonaro said, maybe a couple of years ago, on the whole COVID era and how countries reacted, he said that they got a taste of totalitarianism and they liked it. They were given the opportunity to taste totalitarianism and they they figured, yeah, we'd be good at this. Um, Yeah. It's even worse. It's not just that the results are in and the lockdown we now know killed more people blah 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 like at the time those people in 10 downing street or in whitehall whoever led that demand called for a study during the first lockdown asking what would be the effects how many people might die as a result of doing lockdowns and they told them initially you can expect a hundred thousand people to die from lack of access to primary health care, mm-hmm. um, isolation, loneliness, suicide, and poverty in general. They revised that figure upwards because by the time of the third lockdown, they wanted an update. You know, how bad will this be if we keep going? Mm-hmm. And they said, half a million. You're going to kill half a million people. That's a sound, reliable bet if you persist with this. Okay, thanks. Call, call him and the BBC. We're going for a third lockdown. Mm-hmm. They knew. They commissioned the studies that said mm-hmm. they would happen, and they went ahead. That's mm-hmm. that's the psychopathy of it. it. There in no way can it be a defense of them. Wow, they didn't know what they're okay, – okay, fine. I've seen the WhatsApp messages. They, I agree. They didn't really know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Look, it was a pandemic. We were all scared, you know. No, they had a cold, clear analysis. And pursued it anyway. Mm-hmm. They said, we're going to sit. And they they somehow, I don't know, I presume this is how they rationalize it. To save 10,000 people, 
elderly, frail, with triple comorbidities, we're going to kill a half a million. They mm. consciously did that. Mm. You can't, there's no way out from that because that didn't emerge long after the fact. That was in real time mm-hmm. that those studies were published. Yeah, it was, it was a massive crime against ordinary people and anybody with any sense knew it at the time. And those with less sense at least should know it now. Um, just throw it up on that topic. We talked about, I think we talked about last week, week about the, I mean, obviously there's been the Twitter files have been ongoing. This is uh, Matt Tybee a couple of days ago. It's basically based on the testimony that he and your other guy, Schallenberger, gave to Congress, the other guy who was involved in releasing the Twitter files. Uh, this is about the Virality, Virality Project, which is the, it's out of Stanford University, but it's basically a intel agency, US government funded uh, group that was one of several that were tasked with putting pressure on social media, Twitter included, obviously, uh, to censor anybody dissenting from the official line about uh, COVID. Um, if you just go down to, we'll just read the titles because he, he basically gives the, uh, the third one there. He gives the um, summation and, and then below in the images is the actual text messages between the involved parties who basically said this. So reports of vaccinated individuals contracting COVID-19 anyway and natural immunity uh, and, any, and any suggestion that COVID-19 leaked from a lab uh, or even worrisome jokes, these are all things that were uh, la- labelled or mm. targeted for censorship. Uh, on the fourth one there, all were characterised as potential violations <clears throat> or disinformation events by the Virality Project, which is a sweeping cross-platform effort to monitor billions of social media posts by Stanford University, federal agencies and a slew of often state-funded NGOs. <clears throat> State-funded NGOs, yeah. oxy-bloody more. Um, and then number six, we've since learned the Virality Project in 2021 worked with government to launch a pan-industry monitoring plan for COVID-19, COVID-related content. Six major internet platforms were onboarded. Um, if you just go down to round about like the four, number 13 or 14, Twitter's internal guidance on COVID-19 required a story to be demonstrably false or contain an assertion of fact to be to be to be actioned. But the Virality Project, in partner with in partnership with the CDC, pushed different standards. Virality Project told Twitter that true stories that could fuel hesitancy, including things like celebrity deaths after vaccine or the closure of a central New York school due to reports of post-vaccine illness, should be considered standard vaccine misinformation on your platform. So. <laughs> You know, you have actual things that they admit, you know, that are not in doubt, basically. People dying, know to be people dying after vaccination, they told, shut that down. Don't allow people to talk about that. And so don't allow people to talk about that, basically, on social media. In one email, the Twitter, v- Twitter Virality Project addressed what it called the vaccine passport narrative, saying concerns over such programs have driven a larger anti-vaccination narrative about the loss of rights and freedoms. Well, yeah. <clears throat> this was framed as misinformation or as a misinformation event. VP routinely framed real testimonials about side effects as misinformation. From true stories of blood clots from AstraZeneca vaccines to a New York Times story about vaccine recipients who contracted the blood disorder thrombocytopenia. Uh, goes on, there's about 40 or 45 different entries um, 
providing all the evidence that these people are just a bunch of fucking fascist, censorship-loving Nazis. Yeah. Uh, enthralled to big government, big pharma. Virality Project was CIA, no? Yeah, well, Probably. Stanford University, but basically, yeah. Yeah. Another number, I'm just looking at number 23. Virality Project warned against people just asking questions, implying it was a tactic commonly used by spreaders of misinformation. It also described a worldwide rally for freedom planned over Telegram as a disinformation event. Just asking questions is a common is a tactic commonly used by spreaders of misinformation. Well, you remember the headlines: "Whatever you do, don't search online for anything about COVID." Right. There, I mean, <clears throat> just just shut up. Just don't even just shut up and take your damn vaccine. Right. It was that bad at the time. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I can't be surprised by any of this because yeah. because of the blunt force headlines at the time. You know, mm-hmm. do do you have anyone in your family who's you know asking questions, like a Huffington Post article or something? Check here. <clears throat> read on for signs of you know mm. them being mental, <laughs> asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was full spectrum dominance in the information field, like a full frontal attack attack on people's ability to think, ability to question, ability to navigate their own navigate reality themselves. They were told to shut up, stop doing that, and to stop thinking. Do what you're told. No surprise then that a grand study published this week on fizz.org. I'm afraid I don't have it though. I'll try and include it in the in the show links, but uh, shows that. Um, Western IQ levels have plummeted, and they're compared with like other parts of the world—India, Russia, China, Iran, etc.—they're hmm. like they've come down here like in the last two decades. That's literally a consequence of being told not to think, mm-hmm. with fear backed up. Yeah, just being told you're not going to go. What are you talking about? But with fear, mm-hmm. you will actually—it'll actually start to congest your brain, and you will start to drop your IQ. That, of course, other measures like, you know, the effects that had on children and not being able to see adults' faces. Um, here's a here's a political hot potato and, and an image for you I'd like your comments on. <clears throat> okay. Looks like we got ourselves a meme here. Um, Trojan horse, social acceptance, Democrats, LGBTQ+. Plus. Inside the horse, pedophiles. <laughs> well, <laughs> go on, Neil. Sounds about right. <gasps> I dare you. No, you're going to get us banned on YouTube for saying that. It's good though because we can just put that up for at least for people who are able to watch it. We don't have to say anything. Oh, it's too late. I've but what, does it. The, is the YouTube algorithm able to interpret? If it's AI, it can probably interpret the picture, right? Who knows? And we can just leave it there. We can start actually doing shows just by putting up images, like memes like that, that convey like a whole paragraph or a few paragraphs of text and, and not actually say anything about it. It's going to be like a silent show. We just make commentaries on things through images and see if it. we can say all the things that you're not allowed to say. Through memes, through through images, and yeah, then we'll like pick, silent, and, silent movies. It'll be interesting to see if YouTube algorithm was able to pick up on it. No doubt they can. You think so? 
Yeah. Anyway, um, it's been a slow week in clown world. Well, slow. <clears throat> Come on now. What? Credit Suisse, I know. Ah, yeah. Go on. It's in trouble. This isn't just uh, Silicon Valley Bank. This is like the second biggest bank in Switzerland. Like Switzerland? It's got most important bank status. Switzerland, like, it needs a 50 billion franc Swiss, euro bailout. Switzerland's the size of, you know, uh, yeah, Manhattan or something. In the financial world, Switzerland's the size of yeah. California. Um Credit Suisse is struggling. It looks like they've been bailed out and it's okay, but I think they need a buyer. I think they're trying to sell it or merge it with another Swiss bank. Check out this photo. This is um, the CEO of Credit Suisse. His name was, I think, Philip Bunce. His name is now... Pippa, or Pips Bunce. Pips Bunce. What a good name. Pips Bunce. Intersectionality to me means, you know, we don't all fit into a nice single one box. You know, I'm non-binary, I'm gender fluid, I'm trans, I'm many different things. We all you know, have so many different amazing attributes. To me, we're all the same, but uniquely different. That's a CEO of Credit Suisse? Yes. I shit you not. Top managers. Of one of the most influential banks in the world. Not the CEO, I don't think. Mm, I think so. CEO or CFO? Hmm. Britain, but... Um, yeah, and there was a lot of uh, woke stuff going on at SVP in California as well, in, in terms of their their internal policies, um, by all accounts. Does it have an impact? I don't think that relates directly to the problems they're in, but... I mean, it's... Okay, I'm not sure about CEO, excuse me. <clears throat> Senior director, though, at Credit Suisse. Mm. Yeah, well, we're gonna, we'll see. I don't think there's going to be... Personally, I don't think there's going to be any kind of major uh, economic food bar, like all at once type thing, uh, anytime soon. Um, the, the, the events of the past week have been, you know, symptomatic of problems with... Um, the way banks operate and operating with funny money and creating as much money you know central banks creating money out of thin air that whole thing well um, the only way that could work was in a low interest rate environment yeah but because of inflation they're going up this is this is this can't go on forever in itself I get what you were saying to me earlier about how well it's funny money they'll shift it around until some external environmental mm-hmm. reason causes a real Real world food bar, you know? right? Real world economy um, problems. Yeah, there's but, real world economy and uh, f- fake world economy, basically. And I think they they can keep the fake economy, uh, the funny money economy, going for as long as they want, you know. But um, they just print more dollars, you know. They just bail out more banks. They just print more print more zeros on on a screen, basically, and say you're fine. Don't worry. We just bail you out by adding three zeros to your balance line or six zeros or 12 zeros to your balance balance line and so it's all good so um and that money doesn't necessarily have to doesn't exist and doesn't doesn't have to be printed either um so they can get away with a lot um but if and when something happens in the real world economy then 
the facade or the charade that the that the that the fake economy actually is becomes is exposed, you know. Or it can be used as an excuse to blame the problems in the real world economy uh, and the reasons why people are well, ultimately it's people who suffer. You know what I mean? People will ultimately it's it's taking taxpayers' money. It's it's you know taking jobs away from people. It's making people redundant. It's offshoring, um, offshoring jobs in order to you know bolster the bolster the real economy or to, to at least provide some semblance of a backing to this funny money economy that they produce. You know they have to keep squeezing more and more money out of the average person, taking their savings, taking their jobs, et cetera, et cetera, um, giving them to other people who do, do the same job for cheaper, you know. They're leveraging the population up the wazoo, you know. And as long as people continue to take it and are able to continue to take it, then they can keep printing the money to back up uh, the sweat of the brow of the average person or the suffering of the average person. Um, but yeah, if, if something happens real world, that's what I mean. Any country operates on people going to their jobs, doing the job that they that they that they do, and producing the things that they produce, or if it's imported or whatever. And that's what keeps, you know, trucks full of fuel that deliver the food or the products to the supermarket or to the store that people then buy. I mean, it's very it's very simple when you bring it down to that level. It's ordinary people doing their jobs that runs keeps an economy going. What is an economy like? How are we going? How do we ever notice that there's a problem with the economy? When you know, there's a shortage. Right. It's primarily when there's shortages of something and then you can't get something. And that's what would stop that from happening. Sure, governments can intervene, but it would be a malicious uh, intervention where they would deliberately you know, stop, pass laws or something to stop certain things from functioning in the real world economy. But they're not going to do that. So that's why I say something external has to happen to, to actually cause the serious food bar situation in the actual real world economy it's it's not it doesn't really have anything to do with the funny money economy that they're talking about here where they're you can keep bailing out banks till the cows come home you know by producing by just adding like i said adding zeros on the end of the balance sheet so but i but having said that i think that you know increasingly with you know climate change uh weather events uh you know environmental issues, the environment changing around people, that is going to have an impact on on the real world economy because um, you know, it's a globalized world, you know, and to a large extent, you know, there's all sorts of different factors, you know, but they keep it going, you know, people in positions of power know that, like I said before, know which side their bread's buttered on and they're not going to do anything consciously to screw up the global economy, the economy of major countries, a global economy, throw a wrench in the works because they know ultimately that's going to cause you know serious problems for the average person to the point that you have millions of people in the streets protesting and, and wanting to chop your head off. So they're smart enough to know that don't go there. But they're not, they don't have the power to stop Mother Nature from causing those kind of uh, problems for them. And it'll happen one day, probably, relatively soon. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> final word on two events in Europe this week uh, on on governments consciously messing things up. Uh, the protests in France. Mm. What do you think of that? Telegraph declares France France on verge of democratic breakdown. Everything's like doomer, you know. Everything that happens is like is like this is it. This, you know, even from the mainstream media, you know, are they trying to scare people? You know, I'm like, dude, I do that enough myself. I don't need you to be doing it as well, <laughs> especially when you do it on fake things or bullshit things. You know what I mean? Like France, 
look back at the history of France and this happens all the time in France. Yeah. I mean, people are putting up pictures of, you know, police beating the heads of people and fires and people setting fire to things, et cetera, et cetera. But it looks like a Tuesday in Paris. Exactly. It's a very normal thing to happen in France. And, you know, they're protesting over pension reform or increasing the pension age by, by two years. I mean, that again has happened before. The government has backed down on it. This time yeah. they haven't backed down. The only thing they say is that Macron pushing through this, That's new. this law by using this, this, He's, he's, he's gone over the heads of Parliament. Yeah. Through forces through. Well, the Senate approved it, but then the actual House, the Congress, in fact, yeah. the French Congress, wasn't allowed to vote on it because they weren't sure they were going to get the vote to go their way. So they say, okay, it's a, we're just going to pass it anyway, which is an authority. You can call it authoritarian or dictatorial, but it's actually provided for in the French Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm finding it hard to um, show a lot of support there to the Frenchies because... It would raise retirement age to the same level as, in fact, still less, 64, than it is in most Western countries, which is 65, 66. Yeah. Um, this isn't, I don't, th this is not Macron on behalf of Rothschild banks just trying to screw the worker over. No. This is the reality that the average lifespan yeah. of a male in France is now 80. Mm. And if he stops working at 60, in a few years' time, we won't be able to afford the pensions kind of thing. Not pen, but also Ten years the, ago, the Putin did the same thing. He forced yeah. through a reform, a raising of retirement age in Russia, mm. just something like 63. <clears throat> Massive protest. No one probably remembers it now, but at the time, everyone was to think about it because mm. the whole Western media wanted you all to watch Putin's evil thugs mm -hmm. bashing the heads of labor mm. union protesters mm -hmm. you know, against... Why such a dictator? He just forces through this whole, oh, how can he do that? Oh, no democracy in Russia. Well, mm. Macron just invoked yeah. a constitutional measure that allows him to say, okay, I declare it. Yeah. Of course, he couldn't have done it. He's doing it now in a second term. Mm -hmm. That's the only time he could do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's an example of the real world economy, basically, where you have to have tax receipts coming in to pay to pay wages you know in a, in a real way there's real money even though it's digital money still it's it's real money but like the stuff there where, where you know banks are gambling uh on derivatives you know and he, all the different kind of head uh, investment funds are, are are gambling all these kind of derivative products and exchanging them with each other like in a casino you know we are you're, you're kind of like trading them off i'll I'll sell you this for this much and then you sell it on to somebody else. Eventually somebody fails in that. You know, somebody loses, somebody gets left carrying the baby when the conditions go wrong or, or right or whatever for depending on your perspective. Somebody ends up, you know, losing basically. But it's like going to a casino and ultimately if somebody wins in a casino and you lose, your money basically went to them, right? Ultimately. But, the also, house wins, but yeah. also the house wins. A lot of the money as well. They take a big big cut of it. Um but in this situation, the casino, to keep you in the game, even though you've lost all your money, they'll say, listen, we'll extend a bunch of credit to you so you can keep playing the game. Get back in the game there. Right. Um, a second uh, development in Europe this week, the election result in the Netherlands. Mm. Um, this is interesting because after all the farmers' protests against shutting down a third of farms yeah, in the bizarre. Netherlands. I think they're still on track to do that. The government's determined to do it. Well, that government no longer exists. Mm -hmm. It seems because the largest party now with 19% of the vote share is a farmer's is the party. Farmers was, movement party. That was made up like last year or something. 
it's four years old actually. Okay. But still, it got zero votes before, mm. and now it's the largest has the largest vote share. Yeah, that was and the Netherlands is bonkers because then everyone else has a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. The last government that ruled, even though they've had the same prime minister since 2010, Mark Root, he's been the PM of shifting coalitions, mm-hmm. but he can't reform a government with the four parties he was with before. Then mm-hmm. um, he'd have to. I think they're going to have to jerry-rig it to exclude the largest party, a coalition of the Magnum. second, third, fourth, and fifth, or something like that. Um, because it's qualitatively different. It's populist. It's overwhelmingly from the rural population against city voters. Mm-hmm. It's, again, like this divide of urban blue, I suppose, if you look at an American map, mm-hmm. and rural red. It's becoming sharper and sharper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll still jerry-rig some kind of government out of this, like they did in Ireland 2019, mm-hmm. when the largest party with the largest vote share just had a coalition form against it. Mm-hmm. And it was approved by the president, and boom, you're in opposition now. But we won the election. No, you didn't. You thought and you thought that meant you were in government. No. So they'll probably do something similar here. Do you want, do you, just on that fi- a final point of that, do you want to see what... Um do you want to see how CNN report on that? Like you thought you were presenting it as a good thing that these Dutch farmers, ordinary people, standing up for their rights, have a new party that's the biggest party in the Dutch parliament. Here's CNN's uh, commentary on it. Check the headline. Trump and Le Pen backed these Dutch farmers. Now they've sprung an election. Shock. I don't need to read the rest of the article. I mean, yeah, obviously yeah. it would just be more of the same, but I don't need to look anywhere else for my information on what's actually going on in Holland. All I know now, all I need to know is that it's basically Trump and Le Pen. And if I don't know who Le Pen is because I'm an American, Trump's enough. Basically, Trump has, Trump, Trump supporters have taken over the Dutch parliament. <laughs> you, you know, and that's what some people are getting like. And that's, yeah. that's the opinion you'll get like. And they don't realize that they, they have no understanding of the fact that this is a really good thing because the Dutch government, along with many other governments around the world, are trying to starve people to death by destroying farms, destroying, destroying small and medium sized farms and stop you eating meat and force you to eat insects. And this is a, this this event in 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 the Netherlands where this party is, is is now the biggest party is a very good thing for the average person. The average person who's reading this headline, but the average person reading this headline is being told that this is basically evil Trumpers, orange man bad. They should just burn CNN down, like. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> okay, that's it. I think for that's Europe, it. Um, that's it for the whole world. Don't. The whole world is it done? Yes. One last thing. Sorry, well, I was saying one last thing. This the inventor of the Sputnik V five V vax, vaccine for the Russian world was murdered in Moscow last week. Yeah. Uh, so far, just one of those things. I don't know if it's connected to any espionage, any global pandemic architecture stuff, but who knows? Um, yeah. Dangerous world out there. No doubt there'll be no follow up and it'll just be Putin's fault. Yeah. All right. So, another shortish one this week. We went over, we tried, we're going to try and keep it to an hour from now on, folks, if we can. Kind of like keep things fast and furious as possible. I'll have to hook us up to some, give us IVs of green tea or something or IVs IVs of coffee or something beforehand. And then uh, we'll we'll get, get it. Try and get it down to an hour, um, unless there's some major event. But otherwise, we'll just try and keep it a, a kind of rapid fire, um, or as rapid as possible. 
discussion of what's going on. Um, so that wasn't too much over that, but an hour and 20 or so, an hour and 30. Anyway, that's you, Neil. Too talky. Way too talky. Anyway. Um, Look who's talking. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, uh, have a good week. See you later. Thanks for watching. Bye. Bye. Can't stop the signal now. Mm-hmm.